Go ahead and take your Bibles and open up to Genesis chapter 1. We'll start at Genesis chapter 1 this evening. It's good to see everybody out this evening. Uh, Hope everything, if you got a Bible, make sure you open it up so we can check those things and make sure we're saying and doing those things that uh, are true. I've had a couple thoughts over the last couple weeks. I've been thinking a little bit about uh, the subject of the Trinity, especially the Holy Spirit. So I thought we'd go over a few verses tonight and kind of look at that and uh, think on it just a little bit. The first time uh, that we see the Trinity is in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. And in fact, it actually says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. Now I'm going to stop right there. The Trinity is is an idea or a truth, if you will, that God has three persons. God is made up of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And here in, uh, in the creation, uh, we see all those. Overlining is God. The Spirit of God was moving upon the face or hovering over the face of the waters. And when God spoke, there was Christ. Um, something of kind of note, what do we often talk about God's word? What do we say that is? It's God breathed, Right? What's interesting is that the Spirit here in this particular verse, as well as over in verse uh, chapter 2, sorry, verse 7, where it talks about, and God uh, breathed into man the breath of life. That is translated there in both places, breath. And so what you'll find is you'll find that where the Word of God is, uh, you'll also find that word breath or spirit. They're in conjunction. And so uh, in, in here, we have there where God is making creation, uh, light, dark. And we also see in verse 26 where he's making man. In this case, uh, God makes man differently than all the other creatures or everything that he's created up to then. He says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Um, in this instance, he's referring back to that idea that God is spirit. Uh, that he's an eternal being. And uh, if you go over to chapter 2 there in verse 7, that's that's kind of where we get this idea of man became a living being. Uh, man not only had life, uh, but man has eternal life. Man is eternal. And so it's, a, it's an interesting concept <clears throat> how God wanted his creation uh, to be in his own image. To, um, to basically have that possibility of eternity. I just think it's interesting to me. Anyway, if you uh, go on over to Genesis chapter 6, we have a reference here where God talks about, uh, if you go down to verse 3, the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever. So here's another reference uh, to the Holy Spirit or to God's Spirit with man. And in this case, it's dealing with uh, the uh, sinlessness or the lawlessness 
the sinfulness and the lawlessness of man, how that he had become evil, and uh, God was not going to dwell with him forever. All right. So, kind of keeping that in mind, go over to John chapter 1. This is going to seem a little disjointed for a few minutes, but if you'll stick with me just for a few minutes, I, I do have a point. So keeping the, the idea of creation in mind, John chapter 1 is kind of a commentary on the beginning. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Okay? And then if you... Jump on down to verse 14. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, in the beginning was the word. And the word had life, right? It was how life was created. Well, who is that? Well, John identifies him as Christ because he became flesh. So, part of the Godhead, God's actual I don't know if I can say actual words, but the words that God spoke somehow became flesh. And it's, it's important It's important that I think we think of that as God's, worth, uh, as God's word because uh, he talks about how there's life in them and the life was the light of men. And uh, later on, uh, Christ also refers to him as the light. He also talks about himself as the truth. And so you can see where there might be a, a good idea to think of Christ as the actual words, those God-breathed um, thoughts from God. All right. That's, that's where we're at now. Okay. Now, turn with me to uh, Matthew. Now we're going to look at a couple other scriptures here real quick. This probably won't be super long, but I got some... Got some interesting thoughts in here, I think. Matthew chapter 3, and go down to uh, go down to verse 15. Here Jesus is coming to John the Baptist, <clears throat> and it says, But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. So what's Jesus talking about? Well, it had been prophesied, you know, that Jesus had to become, and for him to uh, fulfill all righteousness, he has to obey God. And so here, John the Baptist is going to baptize Christ, not because he was sinful, but because as, as God's anointed one, or as he's going to become the high priest, one of the rituals in the old law was that the priest had to wash in order for them to offer the sacrifice upon, for God's people, okay? So in verse 16, he says, When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Again, you see all three parts of God. You have Christ who's being baptized. You have uh, the Holy Spirit, who in this instance is taking on the image uh, of a dove. I think it says like a dove. And then you have the voice of God saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, it, 
it's really important that we understand that they all three act in the same manner. They all three act in a, uh, in a manner that is best for you and I. And so it, you cannot separate, for example, <clears throat> when we start thinking about Christ, uh, you cannot necessarily separate him from the Father because Christ can only imitate what the Father has shown him. The same way with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit cannot do anything outside of what God or Christ, the truth and the life, have given him to do. Okay? So we're going to look at that a little bit. Uh, go over to John chapter 5. And go down to uh, verse 19. In fact, I'm going to back up. I'm going to start at 18. It says, Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son could do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he, the Father, does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So here you, you have a, um, I don't want to say it's a pecking order, but you have authority written into Scripture uh, where Christ, because he has obeyed his Father and his Father says that he's well pleased with him, this is my beloved Son and I'm well pleased, he's given Christ the authority to give life, uh, which Christ has said that he will do just as his Father gives. It also tells us that we are to honor the Son uh, because if we do not honor the, the Son, we do not honor the Father. It's a reflection upon uh, God the Father himself. So, the question now arises, how, uh, how does Christ give life? And then, uh, how does that involve the Holy Spirit? All right, so uh, turn back just a little bit. To John chapter 3. If you remember this one, uh, this is where Nicodemus, he comes to Jesus in the night. And he asks him uh, a tough question. He says, uh, we know that you're a teacher from God, um, starting in uh, verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And here's, here's where Jesus gives uh, this idea of being born again spiritually. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, <clears throat> In everybody's Bible, I bet the word spirit here is capitalized. Is it not? 
What's that an indication of? Holy Spirit. Okay. You're a spiritual being. Uh, there's no doubt about that because that's, that's how God made us. But here, uh, Christ is talking about being baptized into the Holy Spirit. Okay? Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So in order for you to enter the kingdom of God, you have to be born of the Holy Spirit. Uh Uh-oh. All right. So turn over to Mark chapter uh, 16. Christ tells us how to do that. In fact, he, he gave his disciples the commandment. Mark 16 and verse 15, he says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. That and there is an important term because not only do you have to believe, belief uh, requires an action on your part. Uh, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and they will drink anything deadly. It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Okay, now I read that last part about the signs because that's what we normally associate the Holy Spirit with, right? We often think about those signs that followed after the Christians in the first century confirming the word of God, correct? So hold on to that idea. I am going to jump around a lot tonight, so you'll have to keep up. Go over to John chapter 14 now. Go down to verse 8. Well, go down to verse 9. Right above, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus says, I have been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? Now, here's a concept where Christ is pointing out that he's in the Father, and the Father is in Christ. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am the that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works for themselves. Again, pointing out that you know the the two interact together; they interact in unison. Christ cannot do anything that the Father hasn't given permission to do. All right, uh, go over. To Colossians chapter 2. Two in verse 9. <clears throat> For in him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In other words, everything that you can see in Christ, you can see of the Godhead. You can see of God the Father, God the Spirit, and the Word, of course. All right. Now, back up. We're going to go back to John 14. Yeah, see, I told you it's going to be a... We're going to look at a, a bunch of scriptures here real quick. 
And then hopefully I can tie them together and help you see some things here. John chapter 14 again. Go down to verse 15. Here Jesus, uh, after talking about how he's in the Father and the Father's in him, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. So Christ himself here tells the apostles that they already knew who the Holy Spirit was. And what's he actually tell them? That the Holy Spirit already dwells in them, right? That's what he says. Because that's one of the sticking points we have. Well, and a lot of our, our friends help us misunderstand how the Holy Spirit works. But we'll get to that here in a minute. So, now we need to talk about some of the duties of the Holy Spirit. So go down to verse 23. All right, yeah, 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Again, showing how uh, God the Father in Christ can dwell in us. He who does not love me does not keep my words. Uh, and and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Keep going down. It says, These things I have spoken to you while yet being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So what was one of the what was one of the things that the Holy Spirit was to do? He was to help them remember what? Those things that Jesus taught them. So the Holy Spirit helps us remember what the word or the truth or the life has said. And he actually, uh, he will teach all things and bring to your remembrance all things. So he, he was helping them. And he actually helped them as they were to remember to write down Jesus' life. Remember the apostles eventually wrote down uh, the gospels and all the letters. Uh, so they helped bring to their, their remembering uh, those things that uh, Christ had spoken of. Turn with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Included in the duties of the Holy Spirit at this time were miracles and signs. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, It says, uh, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So here, Paul talks about how you cannot call upon the name of the Lord without understanding the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit has revealed it to you. Now we're getting kind of funky, aren't we? We got indwelling, we got Holy Spirit talking to us. Uh, he continues on, he talks about how there's diversity of gifts, uh, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. Now, did you notice that here Paul uses the Trinity to show how the, these gifts that they had had uh, helped to make one Spirit, or they had 
they were like the one Godhead. They had one purpose. Uh, he continues on. If you go down uh, verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is giving the word of wisdom to the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge, through the same Spirit, to another faith, by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings, by the same Spirit. In other words, the Spirit is, is confirming uh, this, this word that, that Jesus has given to the apostles and that they're, they're proclaiming. That's what they were supposed to do. Uh, verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Okay, keep going down, verse 12. As the body is one and has many members, and here he's talking about uh, not only your body, but he's actually referring to the church is one and has many members. All the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we're all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and all have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. So continuing to think about how the spirit works, he's continually to show that if, if you're obeying, if you've obeyed Christ, if you've listened to the word and you've obeyed it, you already have the Holy Spirit. Right? That's what he's saying. Now, this continues if you go over to Ephesians chapter 4, which is one that I, I think about a lot. Ephesians chapter 4 and 4, he gives this same idea. Uh, there was one body and one spirit, just as you were called and one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Again, pointing out how the church acts as one, but he compares it to the Trinity, how that just as baptism... Uh, there's one body in the spirit, there's one hope, and one baptism. They all act as unison to point to God or to Christ. If you go down just a little bit into Ephesians chapter 4, he goes on to talk about some of the gifts that were given for the body uh, to keep it in unity. Verse 11, he gave some of them to be apostles and prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And here's the reason for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of the Christ. Uh, those words of truth, those, those skills uh, that, that were being put to use were to edify the body and to build up the body of Christ. Uh, verse 14, so that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. So here we, we have this idea of oneness again, and it, it's following after uh, the idea of the Trinity or uh, how the Godhead works. Now let's look specifically, just a moment, at spiritual indwelling. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Now all these things so far are taking us through and using the word, the truth, the life. All these things you cannot do without being part of Christ or understanding the word, okay? 
verse 8, or uh, chapter 8 and verse 9. It says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. <clears throat> now notice this. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So, as a Christian, do you have the Holy Spirit in you? And the answer is yes. <clears throat> and here's the reason why. You have the Holy Spirit because you believed in Jesus. If you believed in Jesus and did those things that he would have you to do, Jesus dwells in you. And if Jesus dwells in you, then God dwells in you. And if God raised Jesus from the dead because Jesus obeyed him, then guess what? You will be raised from the dead because you obeyed. The same, the same process works for you as Christians as it did for Jesus because you've now become joint heirs with Christ. All right. For our last set of scriptures, let's go over to 1 John. First John chapter 3. <clears throat> and if you go down to uh, go down to verse 21. Here the perfecting of the word in you as Christians is love. And here in verse 21, he says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. The fullness of man is to love one another just as Christ loved us. Uh, that's, that's how that works. And when you, uh, whenever you believe in Christ, and when you obey him, you're obeying the Father. And so you definitely have the Spirit. Now turn uh, over one chap or two chapters to chapter 5 of 1 John. We'll see if we can tie all these little scriptures up in, in one big package here for you. In First uh, John chapter 5, go to verse 6. It says, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus was baptized, right? So there's your water. And Jesus was crucified. There's your blood. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. The Holy Spirit is truth. The Holy Spirit is confirming that God's Word, Christ, the truth and the life, is correct. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth. The spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. Now, do you see the correlation there? The spirit is both in heaven and on earth, 
And he's, he's tying in together God's word so that you can have knowledge about what you're believing in is truth. God's word is truth. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God which he has testified of his own son. God has told us of his plan to redeem man. He's told us about Christ. He told us that he was going to send him. He, uh, he said that he was well pleased in his obedience. He raised him from the dead. Verse 10, he who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who, has, who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. In other words, baptism into Christ is the witness that you believe in the truth that God has given you. If you don't believe that, you make God a liar because you will not believe, you will not confess, you will not be baptized. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. How did God give us eternal life? Through the Word. The Word even says that He's the truth, the way, and the life. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. The idea of the Trinity is not a hard concept. Uh, I'm afraid that sometimes we let our friends in the outside religious world try and confuse us. The Holy Spirit does not act upon us outside the Word of God. He cannot because He is God. Just as Christ is God, Christ cannot do anything outside of God. He can only imitate those things that God the Father has shown him. Tonight you've heard the Holy Spirit, believe it or not, through the working of Christ's word. If you haven't ever obeyed Christ, you have that opportunity this evening as we stand and as we have our song.